Hello and welcome to all of our two and four-legged listeners. It's Nathan here from Rightpool and welcome to What the Bark, the Rightpool podcast. We're back for our final episode of 2022. Can't believe we've had another year of the pods, our second year in uh, in production. And uh, we wouldn't be here, of course, without everyone's favorite geneticist, George. George, welcome back to the pod. Nathan, is this really the last one? For the year. For the year. Not ever. Not Surely not ever. No, we're not, we're not the way things have been going. No way. And have we been going since 2021? We have. We have. So this is the end of, se- of the second season of the pod. Who would have thought? Who would have? Exactly. Two journeyman podcasters. You know, exactly. The Here first one we, we started, they thought they're not going to last more than two. And look no. at it. And we're finishing the, the year one with one that sort of, you know, a bit of anticipation. I've got a bit of muscle tension happening, a bit of avoidance oh. behaviour, if you know what I mean. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, okay, it's a good segue into the topic for today. And and look, it's for our, for our last episode of the year, we thought, look, we, we have to raise the bar a little bit. So we're like, we have to bring bring a podcaster on as well. So some another another guest who uh, who has actually has her own podcast, which is fantastic. And we'll do a bit of a, a plug for that a little bit later as well, the Cavoodle Coach. Um, but we're really excited to have her here to, to talk about that, you know, behavior, separation, anxiety, and a whole lot more. Um, but welcome, Tiana, uh, River City Puppies, uh, Cavoodles. Welcome to the pod. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. How are you today? We're Thank well, guys. Tiana. Tiana, you're, you're very scary because you look very profesh. Oh, don't you're out, you're out, You're out doing Nathan and myself. Oh, I've just been feeding whole... puppies. I don't look professional at all. <laughs> Look, maybe for the for the listeners, it's not it's the gear that you've got, the headphone, the microphone, the pop filter. Yeah, it looks more yeah. fancier than what I am. <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah, it's all about the gear and 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 look, it's it's awesome to have you. I mean, you've you've uh, not only been been breeding for a little you know a little while, but you've also been you know doing your podcast as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, the breeding I've been doing longer than the podcast. The breeding's been about three years almost, but the podcast is quite recent, only the past few months. And I've um, been helping Cavoodle owners navigate raising their puppies by answering their most common questions and in short bite-sized episodes. So it's been going really well so far. I enjoy it a lot and um, I've been getting great feedback. So it's going great. And the podcast is called? The Cavoodle Coach Podcast. Kept it really simple. <laughs> the CC Podcast. What made you decide to do podcasts? What was the what was your thinking behind it? Well, I already do coaching with Cavoodle parents, helping them navigate raising their puppies. And I just thought it would be a really good way to reach more people by having a podcast because typically I just go onto Instagram stories and I um <clears throat> sorry. And I would talk about all these topics on there, but as you know, they disappear after 24 hours. So I was like, all right, let's pop it on a podcast. That way people can refer back to it whenever they want. And yeah, yeah. it's been great. A big learning experience. It is. And and the younger generation these days, Tiana, love a podcast. They do, yes. I yeah. love a podcast. I listen yeah. to them all the time. And, you know, hence why Nathan motivated me into getting behind and doing these podcasts. If it wasn't for him, I'd probably still be typing and, you know. Yeah. Good, and 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 the world will be deprived of all your wit and knowledge. God, yes, yes, yes. I look keeper. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's it, it, uh, and you're on Spotify as well. And how can we get a hold of your podcast? Yeah, um, Spotify, Apple Music, and um, Google Podcasts. If you just search up Cavoodle Coach, I'm the only Cavoodle podcast out there, so you'll find me. 
Um, yeah, just search up Cavuto or Cavapuri if you're in America, if you have any American listeners. Can I have that again? You're the only Cavuto podcast out there. Yeah, I'm the only Cavuto podcast and the only Cavuto coach. So training specifically Cavoodles. So it's it's exciting wow. because obviously it's such a popular breed. Totally. So, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. The most popular that we get. Exactly. Same here. I, I'm surrounded by Cavoodles. So I thought... Um, that's my, my passion lies with them. So I'd wanted to specifically study Cavoodles and their behavior and just help that way. And yes, yeah, the only podcast, which is makes it easy to find me, which is nice. Cool. And would I buy right, Nathan, in saying it's the most popular breed on the right poor portal? I, you'd be safe to say that. I think it's not only the most popular breed in Australia, but definitely the most popular breed on the right poor platform as well. I think, you know, people have fallen in love with that with that particular, you know, developmental breed as well and and also tiana like maybe what what attracted you to the breed you know what, what was your breeding journey well the money no <laughs> definitely not the money i actually when i was six years old i wanted to breed cavoodles and got told i was too young uh, but i got my first cavoodle when i was very young and um they were not well known so i've had them for 14 years now He's still around. His name's Oscar. And I fell in love with the breed and everyone we introduced him to, they fell in love with them because they're just so well suited to mm. families in general. Anyone who's working from home, working out of home, in apartments, yep. in houses, wherever you are, they suit that family. And I just think they're the most beautiful breed. And so I wanted to breed them because I have them in my house. They're my family pet. And it makes sense to breed something that I love so much. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They are they are temperament wise. They're 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 a breed that sort of suits across a wide um, population. They're really nice. They can be a bit difficult to manage. Some of them, you know, when that you got a bit more poodle in them, they can be a bit yeah. all over the place. That's where the coaching comes in. Jo- that's right. <laughs> it is where the coaching comes in. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, whenever you see them at the park, they're always gentle. They they always approach other dogs. They're very sort of passive there's just not one bit of aggression in them and they can sometimes yap a bit so all those yeah they are and you know every dog is every breed is but there's something about a cavoodle that makes them so attractive it's just a beautiful cross between the cavalier which are so placid and loving and gentle and the poodle who are so intelligent and obviously the non-shedding coat it just creates a really wonderful cross between the best temperaments and um personality traits i think in my opinion yeah yeah yes it's it's I mean yeah it's no no one's doubting yet it's it's you know it is the most popular breed in Australia and and you know only growing in that and I think it's there's so many great things about the Cavoodle and we've we've had a lot of Cavoodle breeders on the podcast as well that have spoken about just how great the breed is as well and I think you know one of the reasons we wanted to have this topic as well is because it is you know the more Cavoodles that there are out in the in the world and and in Australia a lot of owners are starting to notice this this trend perhaps of you know a, a you know, particular uh, difficulty with that with that breed, which is this idea of separation anxiety, and it's a, it's a word that's thrown around a lot, and you know, it's um, you know maybe a bit misunderstood. So m- maybe you can help us understand well, what to you well, what is separation anxiety. Well, the way that I like to explain it to people, it's like when you have a toddler. When you leave the room, a puppy can't necessarily understand that you're going to be coming back. And so all these puppies who are bred as companion breeds, like Cavoodles, Poodles, Shoodles, Cavaliers, all these companion dog breeds, they start to get very anxious that you're, they're never going to see you again. Again, So they start to get very stressed um, and they start to show some abnormal behaviours. Now, these behaviours, they can be 
something like barking, crying, scratching, chewing furniture, licking their paws, toileting accidents. And the reason why they are doing these is because they are so anxious and stressed. And the way to, that they can reduce the stress and anxiety is by doing activities that increase adrenaline, like chewing, like barking, like licking. So that's what causes separation anxiety. But obviously, when you are, when you're a family, you have to leave the house. You have to go out. And if you have your puppy at home and you feel trapped by them, then they're just not fitting into your lifestyle. And it causes a lot of problems for families. And caboodles in particular are very prone to separation anxiety. So it's it, it, some breeds are more anxious than others, of course. I, yes, I think so. Just because, I mean, it comes down to what the breed is bred for originally. If you were looking at something like a Border Collie or a Kelpie, they're working breed dogs. So they're bred to work. They typically live outside. They're not usually in your house, on your lap, sleeping in your bed. Whereas a Cavoodle is specifically bred literally to sit on your lap and give you cuddles. So they're more prone to separation anxiety than these other working breeds. Hmm. It's a good point. Like I think it's you know as uh, you know breeding has evolved, and as as you said, you know you breed for a particular purpose. If you want a companion dog and you want all the best traits of those dogs, which are you know they're going to be with you, they're going to you know want to be with you and show be affectionate. Obviously, the the flip side of that is that when you're not around, they're obviously going to want to be with you, and and you know that's it's it's sort of just managing yeah managing that sort of um, trade off, I guess, um, and learning how to to build up the dog's resilience. Exactly. And uh, it can be quite a process. And the issue a lot of Cavoodle owners or just owners of small breed dogs run into is they don't start implementing this and instilling confidence and capability within within their puppy from day one. Because the day that you bring your puppy home is when they're in their critical socialization period. So that's when they're most influenced by the surrounding environments that they're in. So if you don't have the proper routine in place and the proper boundaries in place, you unintentionally create um, these habits that lead to separation anxiety and mm. it's so easy for owners to do this because for the first week or the first two weeks they want to spend it with their puppy totally. glued to their side because they love their puppy it's so cute um but yeah it leads to all these problems and, especially and, separation anxiety and tiana we do it with pets now we're sort of more indoors we keep them more comfortable it's not like it was 20 years ago where a dog yes. did sit outside exactly on your bed everywhere you go you want to take your dog you know i, I have separation anxiety from Charlie. I've mentioned it from years ago from when I first got him. Maybe it was something that I caused where when I first had him, I wanted to take him everywhere. I never left him on his own. Maybe I should have left him with others in those first few months. So, you know, it's in some ways we've created it for them. We've sort yeah. of humanised them more so they want to be around us more. And you're yeah. right, it's, dogs pick up senses. I know when my dog sees a suitcase come out, he knows it's a long journey. We're going somewhere. So all of a sudden they start to react funny. We do little things to help them. We leave the radio on if we're going out somewhere, little things like that. I've got another dog to try and help, you know, Charlie, but she's just as bad, you know. She wants to yeah. come. It's, it's, it's probably the number one issue that I hear about and see from dogs is this anxiety thing because no one really wants to leave them on their own anyway. People don't really like taking them to kennels and pounds to leave them there. You want to go on a holiday and we used to get annoyed because every holiday we'd look for, we had to um, try and find it was pet friendly or local. Which makes it difficult. And yes. it means you can't go travelling overseas on the plane either. Correct. You want to pay a lot of money to get the dog over there. So 
you know, and then we'd go somewhere and then I'd be the one sitting outside the op shop with the dogs <laughs> while they were all in there and I used to get annoyed because they'd come yeah. out with the bargains and I have nothing. So then now I carry the dog in there. Thank mm-hmm. God places, Nathan, are becoming more dog friendly so you can mm-hmm. take your dogs in there. So all those sort of things. Are, so I'm keen to listen to some of the tips. Like, look, for example, I've got Charlie sitting right here next to me yeah. just in case he misses out on anything. Yeah. But that's, I've, I've generated, I've created this monster. <laughs> He's not a monster. He just loves you. <laughs> I mean, Tiana, what what would you say some of the, like what are some of the stories that you've heard from some of your owners or, you know, or just just people in general like what are some of the challenges that they're facing you know that separation anxiety can lead to um honestly i mean the most severe ones is when the dog is destroying furniture trying to chew through doors just because they're so stressed and fearful in these situations i have a little caboodle jumping on me right now you know (laughs) companion dogs they're always on you um but then there's the more mild cases where the puppy just cries and barks and obviously neighbors get annoyed if a dog is barking all day and obviously, we don't want our puppies to be in distress or dead. And we want to be able to leave the house knowing the puppy's okay. Otherwise, your time out of the house is ruined because you're worried about your dog. Mm-hmm. So there's a big, there's a really broad range of mild cases to more severe cases. Um, and honestly, the easiest thing to do is to prevent it, not fix it once it's already Correct. there. So for anyone who's getting a puppy, it's the most important thing you need to be doing in terms of training for your cavoodle. It's not teaching them to sit. It's not teaching them to stay and lie down. It's teaching them to be okay on their own and to feel mm-hmm. comfor- comfortable and capable of being left alone in the house. So, mm. hello, Chelsea. You know, you, that you're, you're coming back. It's okay. I know. Exactly. exactly. Um, and they can't understand that. That's the thing. We, we can't speak dog, obviously. I'm going to have to put you down, Chelsea. She's trying to get on my lap. You can't speak dog, mm-hmm. so we can't tell them we're coming home. But we need to start from day one. They need to be used to us leaving the house or leaving the room. And they need to be used to independent play. Teaching your dog independent play, there's nothing more beneficial for that dog. If they rely on you for play and if they rely on you for comfort and security, you will deal with separation anxiety your entire life. Mm. So going back to that that sort of moment you're get, of getting your dog, you know, it sounds like as as we believe at Riper as well, like the the work that you do at the beginning of a dog's life just is the most critical in terms of setting your dog up for success. So what, what do you recommend to your, you know, your owners or to any owner who's getting a cavoodle or any, any breed, what are those things you can do to minimize the risk of separation, separation anxiety? What you need to do is firstly, I always say a split second decision, overnight decision to get a dog is never a good idea. You need to do a lot of research and learning about the breed and understanding what the breed needs prior to bringing the puppy home. If you're pregnant, you have nine months to prepare for a baby. So when you're getting a dog, they're like a baby. They can't do anything for themselves. They're relying on you completely. So you need to do a lot of preparation. And in that preparation, you need to look at your lifestyle, what your routine looks like on a day-to-day basis. And then you need to go, okay, when I bring my puppy home, I need to implement this routine as much as possible while making sure all the needs of the dog are being met. So if you're working eight hours a day at an office, it's not necessarily going to work. It's not a great time to get a puppy. But if you work from home, you need to remember, well, the puppy can't sit in the office with me all day. Otherwise, when I try and leave on the weekend, it's going to be scared. So during the day, the puppy needs to spend some time in the kitchen while I'm in the office for a few hours. And then I'll come have a play and do some training. And then I'll leave the puppy again. So you need to just implement a routine where the puppy is having time during their day alone. 
But you have to make sure when you're leaving your puppy alone, you need to leave them with something to do. If you if you were to put a toddler in an empty room, they're going to cry, they're going to probably yell and try and get your attention to come and let them out. But if you put a toddler in a room with puzzles and toys and different learning games, they're going to be entertained, they're going to be focused on what they're doing and they're going to have something to do and they're not going to think about the fact that they're alone. So the same thing works with puppies. When you leave your puppy alone, you need to give them something to do. A stuffed teddy is not enough. A stuffed teddy is not going to capture their attention because it would much rather be in your lap than play with a stuffed teddy. So you need to use treats and enrichment toys to stimulate the mind. And prior to leaving them alone, you need to do training with them so they're tired, so they have used up all this energy. So it's all about setting a routine and understanding exactly what you need to do so that when you leave your puppy alone, they are set up to be the most comfortable that they can and they can get used to it and they can enjoy being alone. And that's the key to separation anxiety. The yeah, dog routine. has to enjoy being alone. Yeah. And it's important, Tana, to another thing that I find really works. There's a routine, but I also find that taking them for a walk, exercising yes. them is so important. I know when I take my dogs for a morning walk, for a long walk, and they come back, guess what? They can just, you can go in there for an hour, two hours, they're just lying down. Exactly. And they have a routine. Afternoon as well, I find when I take them for a really long walk, they sleep right through. I have a doggy door so they can go in and out so they can do things. It's, you know, one dog loves playing with the ball and I use that as a way of, of giving them some exercise. Exactly. So routine and keep sticking to that routine. If I find that if I don't take my dogs for that long morning walk, they're up and down following me. Where am I going? You know, where have you been? It's 11.30, 12 o'clock. You haven't taken me for that walk. It's exactly. that routine. And that's the thing. You have to make sure you can't expect a dog to be left alone all day and to be okay. You have to make mm. sure that their enrichment levels are being met, their exercise levels are being met, that their brain is being used before you leave them alone. Otherwise, they're going to go stir crazy. If you were left in a room alone all day, you would go stir crazy. And you're not even <laughs> you're not even a child with all this energy. So you have to make sure you are purposely interacting with them prior to leaving them alone so that they are happy, a bit tired so that they don't have all this energy and that they're comfortable. And the most important thing, well, the mistake a lot of people run into when they have a new puppy is obviously you can't go for that walk because they haven't had their vaccinations. So you have to be exercising them and stimulating them with mental enrichment in another way at home. And you need to use different parts of the house so that your, pup, your puppy feels like they're not just in the same four walls. They'll yeah. get bored, they'll go stir crazy, they'll start doing things you don't want them to do and then the behavioural issues just pile up one on top of another. And you use that. You use a really important word, which I like is uh, enrichment. You know, this idea of like, how do you stimulate them? How do you keep them engaged? So, what are some great enrichment activities that you know you recommend for for pups, like to to keep them engaged, to stimulate their minds? Like, what are the types of things that you think work really well? Number one, you know, training is the best kind of mental enrichment. Making them think is the best kind. Obviously, making sure that you're doing the training properly and not doing it for too long. There's a whole lot of you know, I could talk about that for a lot, but that's the first thing. That's training. a whole podcast. <laughs> it is a whole podcast. So training the puppy, best way to use that mental enrichment. Uh, and then you need to think about the breed's original purpose. So I like to say this to people. When you look at a cavoodle, they're made up of a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel and a toy poodle. Now, Cavaliers were originally bred um, as lap dogs, so they don't have much of a specific breed purpose, but poodles were originally bred as hunting dogs. So back in the day, hunters would shoot down birds and they'd go and retrieve these birds and they would go and chase rabbits out of holes. So they were bred and raised to do all this hunting and searching. So cavoodles have those traits in them. 
So what you want to do with cavoodles is you want to give them different games where they can use their nose and they can chase and retrie retrieve things. So if you can get different puzzles where the dog has to move pieces around to get the treats, or you throw a bunch of treats in the back garden and they have to go and sniff around to find all of them, those sort of things where you're addressing their original breed purpose has the biggest effect on the dog and that's what they'll enjoy the most. So if you don't have a cavoodle, you need to look at your breed and see you know, do some research. What were they originally used for? And then make games and make situations where they can, you know, use those original um, traits. And uh, I'm not sure the word here. They're, they're, what their purpose is. If you have a working dog, they need to be characteristics. Exactly. Very characteristics. That's what it comes down to. Um, you can also get a whole bunch of really great enrichment toys where you stuff um, long-lasting treats in them and they have to chew. Puppies love to chew. They're teething. So you always want to leave them with something to chew. Otherwise, they're going to chew your furniture. So no matter the time of the day, when I have puppies 24-7, they have something to chew, something yummy. A rubber toy is not yummy. Your puppy's not going to chew a rubber toy. It needs to have a treat or it needs to sit in some boiling water and put in some chicken stock to make it yummy. Um, oh, that's a good tip, actually. I've never done that with chicken. Yeah, otherwise the rubber toys, they stink to us. They'll smell even worse to the dogs who have a great sense of smell. So you've got to get rid of that smell and you have to make it yummier. So pop them in some chicken stock or beef stock. What? One of the to... toys in there? Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, pop in a, you know, a bully stick, shove it through the middle and then give it to the dog and they think it's the best thing and it'll help, you know, soothe those gums that are so sore. Yeah, this is, George, this is like Ottolenghi meets, meets uh, cooking. Oh, I'm sorry, meets, meets um, uh, breeding. It's amazing. <laughs> I've got a question. Um. It's one of my Dion questions, Tiana. My son always wants me to ask ridiculous. Is the Cavoodle the most accessorized dog breed? Yes. It's, the thing with Cavoodles is when you are wanting to get a Cavoodle, it's not just the dog. It's kind of the image that comes with the dog. If you think of Cavoodles, you see them at cafes, at getting coffee. You see them out That's walking true. a lot. You see them, you know, they, they, they go everywhere with their owners. So they're definitely an accessory. And when you have a Cavoodle, Obviously, they are a higher-end dog. Um, they're designer breeds. They are typically a lot more expensive than other breeds. So people who are spending this money on a Cavoodle, they then want to give the dog really nice colours. The right harness, the colours. Exactly. Yes, and it all suits an image. Um, yeah, and the, the great Exactly. But the great thing about the image is they are that companion who can go to the coffee shop and sit beside you. And they are that dog that you can walk around, you know, into different shops with and they're just beautiful so they fit the image and people just like to add nice things to them i have way too many accessories for my dogs it's embarrassing i, he, so I carry around right. cologne in my bag for them not for me what? for the dogs i do cologne to make sure they smell nice when they see someone <laughs> so okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they probably i mean i would imagine cavoodles are probably the most popular dog breed with an instagram account as well oh definitely for sure the amount of cavoodle i mean everyone who buys a cavoodle uh, you know, most of them start an Instagram account for their dog because they're so cute. And then they give the dog little personalities and they write the, you know, the captions from the dog's perspective and everyone just loves it. It's just, it's amazing how much they've become like human babies rather than just dogs. It's, it's interesting because the Labradoodle yeah. was sort of where it all started from yet. The Cavoodle's become popular. Would I, would you say in the last four years it has become, where's its popularity come from? It hasn't, wasn't that popular five years ago, was it? It's No, honestly, it's, when Labradoodles are beautiful dogs, but you're crossing a Labrador and a Poodle, they're two high-energy dogs. 
So I think as more education came about and people got to hear more about cavoodles and how they do have that cavalier in them, it just makes them a bit more easier to manage when you have a busy lifestyle as a family. So I think they've grown in popularity just by education. Um, and obviously they're adorable. So the more cavoodles you see in public, the more people ask, what sort of dog is this? Then they fall in love with the temperament and then they go get a cavoodle. So it's a, it's a bit of a cycle. Uh, and definitely also COVID increased the number of yep. puppies, cavoodle puppies. Um, and breeders, backyard breeders as well, as I'm sure you've come across since you, you know, go through all the trustworthy and reputable breeders. There's a lot of backyard breeders as well. Um, so it's a bit of a, yeah, it's a complicated industry to say the least. It is, yes, and because they're such a popular breed, it does sort of bring out... It attracts all types. Types. It does. And yes. another question I do get, Tiana, from them is that they get quite a number of cavoodle people that ask me about the colour. And that yes. deep apricot versus the light apricot, how do they? And I, I realised that when it comes to colour, the most popular would be the apricot. Am yes. I right? With a the, bit of with a bit of. Most, I find personally, based on like the questions I get, the most popular is the ruby colours, yes. so the darker red. Um, but what a lot of people don't realise is that poodles in general they lighten in colour unless they have a special gene. That's that, right lets them keep that colour. So mo most people start off with this ruby cavoodle and it grows up into an apricot cavoodle because they don't realise that the, do the dog lightens unless they... It is, I think it's the kit fading gene which you can't really test for. There is a there is an intensity gene that you can yes. now test for which measures the amount. But when a dog starts as one colour and fades, it's you, that's an untestable gene at the moment. So it happens over time. But usually the deep ruby or red or apricot is what they all look for. I do. Some of them are starting to look for some with a bit of pied or a bit of white on the chest, which gives yes. it a, a nice sort of look. And what about grooming wise? Do they need much clipping? Oh, they are a high maintenance breed. A lot of people are under the mistaken impression that they're low maintenance. Carudos are high maintenance. They need to be groomed every six to eight weeks, full groom, body grooms at the groomers, which costs upwards of $80. So it's a big expense. But in between their grooming appointments, you have to be brushing them properly every single day. If you don't, they get knots, they get matted, and then the dog gets shaved, and then everyone cries because their beautiful, fluffy, teddy bear-looking cavoodle is shaved and now represents something more like a rat because once they're shaved, all the cuteness disappears. So they are a high-maintenance breed in terms of grooming, and you need to dedicate that time every day. And um, a lot of people don't know the proper way to brush the dog. They don't know the proper tools to use to brush their dog. And so they might be trying to brush every day, but they still end up in the same spot where the dog needs to be shaved because the dog is matted. Um, so God, it's a Nathan, we're not selling the breed that well, are we? <laughs> no, but it's good for people to be aware of everything, I think. You know, and, and uh, Tiana said it's a, it's a you know, lifetime time commitment. You've got to go in with your eyes wide open. And look, Grooming is the, the hardest part of, okay, separation anxiety aside, grooming is the most demanding part of a caboodle. Um, they don't need the same level of exercise and enrichment that these working breeds need. So they are fantastic. But if the owner isn't prepared to upkeep the grooming, well, the doggy that stays shaved permanently, um, which no one likes, or you just run into a whole lot of health issues. Or, you, or you just do what Genetic George has done, Tiana, and learn how to groom yourself. And I'm grooming exactly. Mary myself. It's been a an eight month project, and she's come from really bad to now. Looking, <laughs> okay. You know, I used to have people ask me, "Is that a Griffin?" I used to groom, <laughs> groom her so badly. I I people couldn't recognise the breed, 
Yeah. I've worked out some things. I've worked out the levels on my whale shearers and what to use. I'm getting better around the feet and where to toes. The eyes are still a struggle. I need to get the curved scissors. Yes. Yeah, the clippers. The, eye, yeah. clippers, the scissors. And I've got my little grooming table because, like most, you know, people of Greek heritage, I'm spending $90 on a haircut. I could do it myself, and I did. I've learned it, Nathan. <laughs> exactly, and um, I, I do my own grooming as well because I have so many dogs. I can't afford taking four dogs to yeah, groom up. That's a know, lot of money, so I do it myself. But it's, it's, it's everyone can learn it. And, it's um, good. I'm getting better. The eyes are sort of, and you know, Griffin is one of the hardest dogs to groom, Tiana, not talking poodles. They were talking about that. Look around the yeah. face. Sometimes I might cut a bit more, getting much better. So I hear you. If you can, I'm enjoying it. I don't <laughs> It's a great bonding experience too, doing that grooming. Um, mm. And it can also mean that you make sure that you're doing it correctly. A lot of people just, they just throw their dogs into the um, grooming salon and then they develop all of these um, fears to grooming and being like the clippers and the bath and the hairdryer. So at least at home you can manage that and manage your dog's, you know, energy well, and stress levels. Correct. Mary loves the hairdryer. It's the only bit that she does like. Yeah. Oh, she likes the hairdryer. Loves it. She, oh, she just sits there and fans herself. As I've told Nathan, she I can get the leaf blower out and she'll <laughs> sit on the leaf blower. Even like Really? That. Yeah. Wow. But, you but don't hear that often. Usually it's I, that the dogs hate the um Mary, you know, Charlie hates but anything blowing in Mary but Mary doesn't like the grooming part. The table comes, she likes to sit flat and look, let's not underestimate <laughs> the value a good groomer has. No. I'm not saying here not to go to a groomer, visit one. I used to take Mary to quite a few, but I then with COVID and lockdowns I found it hard to book and sometimes bookings were three month waiting lists. So yes. hence why I did them. You know, if you can I always recommend a good groomer, Nathan. We don't want to. We've had some good groomers. We have some great groomers on the podcast. Who have taught me a yes. bit as well. That's yep. where I, you know, they encourage. Inspired your, yeah, inspired you to try your hand at it. I love feathering. There's an art. Yes. Feathering with scissors. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to cut my kids' hair, Nathan. Well, they have a background in grooming then. The photos have all disappeared, but they used to like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's good. I mean, I've also got a a question that I get asked a lot, Tiana, as well, um, grooming aside, about, you know, most people get a puppy when they have a lot of time on their hands. You know, you know, either you know, we're coming up to Christmas, there will be a lot of people that do tend to get puppies at Christmas because they've got more time on their hands as well. You know, even during COVID, people were at home, so they were like, you know, that's the right time to get a dog. People take time off when they, you know, when they are getting a dog. But how do you balance being around all the time, you know, and wanting to help acclimatize the puppy, wanting to help, you know, make them settle in well with teaching them to be alone. You know, you sort of touched on it before as well, but it's like this sort of hard balance between, you know, you you might be at home a lot, but you want the pup to be comfortable being alone. So how, yeah, what do you, what do you do? Well, it, it comes back to, I always say is that routine. So, I mean, one of the things I do with my clients is I set them out like morning, do this, puppy spends this time alone, pup, give the puppy this, do training here. It's about just thinking to yourself, you know, a puppy, depending on the age of the puppy. So this is important, right? The development of the puppy's brain is important to keep in mind. Young puppies, when you pick them up at around that eight week mark, they only need a few minutes of training multiple times a day. If you do an hour long training session, it's more detrimental to them. 
So it's all about understanding the puppy, the way the puppy's brain works and dedicating time every day. So I say mealtime, we feed, um, we use feeding to train them. We enrich them that way. Then the puppy spends a few hours alone. Then the kids might come home from school, we'll have a play. Then the puppy is going to go do another enriching activity by itself. And then it's dinner time and we'll spend more time. We'll play a game of fetch outside. It's making sure that you just don't have the puppy on you all day long. If you have the puppy on you all day long, weekend comes around, you leave the house, they have separation anxiety. Mm. All right. Well, talking about games, Nathan, I think I might play the game here now. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, the, DNA. the final one of the year. Yeah. So what we do, Tiana, is to make sure that people are listening and you know we're keeping people engaged and everyone really waits for the Orivet DNA voucher that we offer, the full breed profile to the value of $195. We ask a question and they have to answer. So the question I'm going to ask is, what is the name of Tiana's podcast? Very yeah. easy. If you're listening at the start of the Very podcast, easy. Right, you should be able to answer, but you need to email George. Nathan, you're good at this way. I yep. I have you as my my manager. What date are we gonna want this email? So the the yeah, I said that not the not the twenty fifth. You don't need to email George on Christmas. He's got better things to do. But maybe the twenty third of December, before we're breaking up for for Christmas break. So the twenty third of December between eleven a.m. and eleven. 10 a.m., you need to email me with the answer to that question to win the full breed profile voucher. That's the competition time. So we got that. Yeah. It's the 23rd of December between 11 and 11 and 10 a.m. Daylight savings time. Yeah, with the answer to um, Tiana's podcast um, yeah. that she hosts and runs. Nice. Easy, done. Or I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, we got to have our competition. Otherwise, the, the the listeners get up in arms, and they I get I get emails if if we don't do it. So we need to we do need to make sure we do it. Um, and look, I guess we're talking a lot about puppies, right? We're talking a lot about like the ideal scenario, the perfect scenario where you can start from the beginning, and it's you know it's great. Um, but sometimes you might maybe not have started the, in, in the right way or you might have you might have got a dog who has separation anxiety you might you know, welcome them into their home a little bit later in life so tiana do you have any tips or advice for people who might have an older dog who's a little bit anxious is there anything you can do to i mean it's obviously gonna be a lot harder but is there anything you can do to to try and sort of you know work on making them more comfortable being alone i mean i i have a two and a half year old dog who um is very anxious and you know we've had to work hard on you know, trying to just, you know, bring that alone time that little bit further up each time. But, you know, what, what do you recommend? Well, with older dogs, I mean, yes, they do need counter conditioning training, which is a lot harder. It takes a lot more time and you don't end up getting the same results you would as a puppy. But with counter conditioning training, it's, it's a similar process, right? You always need to start very small and build upwards when, as long as the dog is not showing any signs of anxiety or fear. And a lot of the time, these dogs with separation anxiety, I mean, you mentioned it before, George, the dog knows when you bring out the suitcase, they know what that means. So some people in the mornings, they can simply have an alarm on and the dog knows that when they hear that alarm, it's a work day, the owner's about to leave. And so the dog starts getting anxious before the owner's even left the house. So it's about finding what triggers your dog has. So is it, you know, the alarm going off? Is it you having a shower and putting your shoes on is it you jingling the keys 
whatever that is, you need to first work at desensitizing them to that before you can start practicing leaving them alone without them having anxiety. Because if you leave the house and your dog is already anxious and is already showing signs of separation anxiety, it is very difficult for them to bring down those levels back to normal. So you need to make sure you find when does it first start, and usually it's before you've even left the, ha- left the house, and desensitize them to that first, um, and then work at making them more confident and capable on their own. And it's a similar process. You need to make sure that the dog has been exercised. They had, they've had mental enrichment. They have something to do when you leave the house. A lot of people fall into the trap that once the puppy is no longer a puppy, they stop giving the dog things to do. That can't be the case. You need to continue mental enrichment for the dog's whole entire life. So, yeah, starting small, find the triggers, desensitize to the triggers, then work at leaving them alone. It's interesting. You know, it's they, they just pick up things like mine know that it's sort of, they sort of chill around and sleep. But when my shoes come on, they know it's time to exactly. get you're going. I'm and going that's when the anxiety starts. Dance. And that's when you need to that's when you need to intercept and try and desensitize to the shoes being put on. Otherwise, by the time you leave, your dog is already in a state where they just simply can't calm themselves down and then they're just so incredibly anxious. So you have yeah, to get so it I'm right at the routine. start. I'm in my slippers and I walk, I know he's not gonna as soon as the the multicolored vans come on, mate. <laughs> serious shoes, yep. right? They know this is walkies. They're here. They're waiting. Then the collar goes. It's amazing. They can tell the difference. They know what shoes mean. You're, you're, I'm going for a walk, or I'm George is leaving. If I've got me RM Williams boots on, then I'm going <laughs> clubbing or something. That someone else is doing. You know, he's not going to take me there. Or they pick up all these things. They're just so switched on. And even Mary knows. Let him get up. He's still got to have his breakfast. She's still in bed. Doesn't even bother. But when it's shoot time, then one knows to come on. The collar comes on first, one of them, then the other one comes and they do a bit of a spin and get excited because they realise it's time to go. And then and then I disappoint them when I just don't take them and they sit there and go, what the hell? You're not taking me? What's going on? <laughs> Sorry, i got a meeting. No, they usually always come, but sometimes I do have meetings and they won't come. But it's that routine again. Yeah. So trigger points that they work on. It's a good and that that word, I like that term sort of counter conditioning as well. Like like you've got to unlearn those behaviors and untrain them. And I mean, with, very hard to do. Oh, it's so hard. I mean, with without so with with our little dog Abby, you know, she she's a very anxious dog, and we've we've started basically just trying to get her being comfortable alone for thirty seconds, you know, sixty seconds, you know, five minutes, ten minutes. We set up a little camera um, near our door as well, so you know, we'll start. We'll do a planned separation where we'll go out of the house for a minute and we'll be watching and then we'll come back in before she gets anxious. And I think we're trying to like, to your point, Tiana, like if they're already anxious, then it's not going to come down. You've got to build up that time where they're not anxious and and that threshold. And if you start to see the signs of of them being anxious, then we come back inside and then you you just want to try and build that up as well. That's at least what we're trying to do. No, it's it's really all you can do because it's, it's just, we can't tell them that we're coming back. So they're going to be anxious. They also just, they rely on us as a source of comfort and security. So they just need to start learning that they're okay by themselves. But you can't just flip a switch and leave them outside for three hours and expect them to feel okay. Um, You have to just start small and you have to positively, you know, reward this behavior. So you need to make sure that they are being rewarded for being comfortable and feeling okay. Because the biggest reward for Cavoodles and these small breed dogs is literally you. Being with you is the biggest reward. Um, and you're taking that away from them. So you need to make sure you're replacing it with a really high value reward 
with such as like a really yummy treat that they never get any other time. Like yeah. make something really yummy for them that they only get when you leave and then they start to get excited for that time alone by themselves. Mm. I've got into giving mine like chicken necks after a long walk so they get excited. Are they going to get their chicken yeah. necks? And mine love a car. So the keys they drive, if they sit there coming in a car, it is just excitement time. Yeah. And then another thing, Dion Tommy goes, why don't, when you get the suitcase out, why don't you put them in the suitcase and zip it up and then they'll hate the suitcase. And I go, no, no, that's not the right way to do it. Not no, the no. right way. No, not, not at no, all. No, don't make them fear the suitcase. Exactly. That's we want positive reinforcement training. Awesome. We don't want to use fear as, as a way to train dogs. We need to respect them and they need to respect us and it can't happen to be using fear. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, Tiana, are there any other tips that you want to share for, you know, Cavoodle owners out there or any other, you know, important uh, considerations around separation anxiety or just any other tips that you picked up from, from your podcast as well? Uh, one of the biggest things I like to tell people um, when they're getting a new puppy is to remember that the puppy is always going to be a reflection of the environment they're raised in. So you have to look at your own household. If your household is a very stressed, anxious household, your puppy will absorb all these all this, all these emotions because they are body language readers. They don't speak to us with English. They don't speak with words. They just read body language. So if your household is already stressed and anxious and on, on, on edge, you can't expect your puppy not to feel that way. So you need to look at your environment, look at the environment the puppy is in, make it as calm as possible. Make it as loving, calm, warm, inviting as possible, and your puppy will start to reflect this behavior. A puppy doesn't want to misbehave. A puppy doesn't want to chew your furniture. It doesn't want to cry. It wants to listen to you, but you need to be very clear with your communication. And if you're saying, be calm, but then your kids are running around yelling and chasing each other, that's conflicting emotion for the puppies. They can't understand what you want. So you need to make sure the entire household is reflecting the energy you want your puppy to have. And that's one of the most important things. So when you're getting a puppy, examine your household first and think, where can I make this a better environment for the puppy? And um, Tiana, as someone who likes to take drugs, I'm sorry, likes to administer drugs where I can, is there any particular <laughs> drugs that <laughs> that you may be able to give to a dog to help it with it? Because some dogs are just so anxious, they yes. have to look at medication. I, before using medication, obviously medication you have to go to the vet Bed, and yes. get a prescription. But medication aside, there is a product called Zilkeen. Uh, it is a natural product. It's not medication. And it's made out of the same sort of proteins that's in the mother's milk. So when a puppy is young and they're drinking their mother's milk, we say they're, pup they're, they're puppy drunk, they're milk drunk. They drink milk and they pass out completely. So this product called Zilkeen, it's made of that same those same products that's in the mother's milk. So it helps to relax the puppies and bring down those anxiety levels. So, so where can you, I get this from? Um, pet shops, vets, they have them all there. Uh, it's like if you know that your puppy is going to go through something that might be um, a bit stressful, say you're moving house, say the puppy's coming home for the first time, or let's say you're getting, there's, a, there's fireworks coming up in a big storm, yep, you yep, can yep, give yep, them yep. this product just to help naturally lower their stress and energy levels and that way you can manage the situation a bit more easily that's what i find best before trying any medication and then there is obviously higher levels of medication through a veterinarian exactly. exactly. if you've got a dog that is super anxious or like you said some dogs if you know 
fireworks sends them crazy, then we can look at exactly. it. If you're, if you're moving home and you have to leave your dog somewhere at someone else's place, there could be, because, you know, sometimes it's the only way to, to use it, especially for if, if it's within the breed, it's an older dog, you can't rewire it. And let's not forget, sometimes dogs are created anxious because of the environment that you've had them beforehand. You might receive a puppy or a rescue dog because you know this you know and it, it simply is anxious because of you know what it's gone through exactly you know? and that and that's why like when you're looking at getting a dog and this is why right is so fantastic because i've looked on them most of the breeders on there they follow a curriculum program for the puppies the most the time that the puppies learn the most is from when they're three weeks of age Correct. and most of that time is when they're with the breeders so if the breeder isn't doing the right thing with the puppies you can't expect the puppy to come home with a clean slate they have been impacted by the breeders um the breeder every single day so you have to make sure you're looking for a breeder who is already starting separation anxiety prevention training from when the puppy is practically walking which is you know a few weeks old so you have to do your research the big investment getting a puppy and you want to make sure you have a puppy who's got the best chance of fitting into your life and not yeah. causing you ongoing issues yeah. and costs because um, counter conditioning training is expensive yeah i mean it all just yeah it comes down to having the best possible start that you can have Tiana, thank you so much for sharing all of this knowledge. I can see why you host a very, very detailed and uh, and fantastic podcast. And it was great that you could come on and share that with us. Yeah, um, I loved it. Thanks for having me. No, no problem. And before we go, I think, George, should we, uh, should we ask Tiana our final segment of the year? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I gotta... All books that we can choose. And we have, of course, the... the breed dispositions to diseases in dogs and cats and Tiana can pick a number. I can see a cavalier on the front there. Because it's got a lot of diseases. That's why it's <laughs> and then I've got, of course, we can't go we can't leave the year without Johnny Bryson's Dog Judges Guide. Where mm-hmm. you, a great book. A sta- a staple for any dog enthusiast. <laughs> and I thought I'd change it this week because Nathan I know loves this guy here and we've got Otolinghi's I've got his other book too here, Nathan. Plenty more where we can choose a, a recipe out of that. And I thought with the Greek theme, yes. I know there's a bit of controversy around this. <laughs> look at Georgie Porgy's cookbook. Oh, my goodness. George Calumbar. Oh. oh, he's a bit of persona non grata nowadays. Right, that's right. <laughs> you know, the kids age 8 to 80, you know, we can choose a number. So based on the number, I might do two books and three. And I thought I'd want to show you. You want to see accessories. Look at this. Beautiful accessory I've got. Oh here. wow! Oh wow! George is holding up a, a what is that? Is that like a, a jewel encrusted bow tie? And look at the way this woman does her bow tie. She's smart. She puts the little thing here. She oh, puts it through your through your collar. collar. How wow! What is that? That is beautiful. I've never seen a bow tie that you yes, know. This is charming. Amazing. Oh, Isn't I like it? that one. It's a handsome bow tie. That's very handy. The, the reason you haven't seen one of these before in this sort of, look how smart that is. That, Anyone that is, who comes, is. I picked these up when I was in the US. There was um, a woman doing bow ties and I love it because it goes onto your collar. Yeah. Well, I that, see a lot of the bow ties here. They only have the one loop and so it, it like doesn't yeah. sit right. But those double loops, that'll make it sit perfectly. Like, look at that. And this is Charlie's Charlie's and that's Mary's, of course. There you go. Anyway, we're talking to- accessory. That that that's if, if you're looking for a Christmas present for your dog, there you go. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Guys. So, 
Let's go, Tiana. Let's pick a number between one to whatever, and I'll see what I can pull out here. You've got up to, you know, 400 if you want to. No, not 400, 300. So let's pick okay. a number. Um, let's do oh, 117. 117. So we'll go to Georgie Porgies, eh? Controversial. <laughs> it won't be as um, 100. This is, this is George's Christmas, uh, Christmas recipe. 117. Let's have a look. Oh, God, how boring. That's okay. We have to read it out. It's hot chips with tarama salata. Oh, yum. Yum. Mm. <laughs> and he's used a particular type of potato, um, Nathan. It's the russet Burbank potato mm. for his um, – and he's grabbed a cup of tarama salata. And for those people that don't know what a tarama salata is – the, For the uninitiated – if you go to page 28 of his cookbook, it's basically a, um, uh, wow, look at this. I didn't know it was this. Isn't it like a garlic? What is a tadamasala? Help me out here. I thought it was like a fish, like a fish roe. Fish egg dip, the pink It's dip. a white white cod roe dip. Yeah. With some lemon juice. Yeah. And the chips are just done, but cuts them to thick chips. You know, salted cold water, which is we're having chips tonight, and I think we've done some cold over high heat for a while. Mm. You let them drain, you place them on a paper towel, and then you deep fry them. For That was quite boring. And then stick them on a paper towel, but it's dipping it in the tadamasalata. That's Georgie Porches, you know. That's simple for kids 8 to 80. But let's now go to Nathan's favourite book, favorite, one of his favourite chefs, which yeah. is Otolenghi, what number did you say again? Sorry, Tiana was uh, just one hundred and seventeen. We're getting the we're getting the full Christmas menu. Yeah. Mm. We'll be, we'll be all prepared. Ooh, Nathan, mm. stuffed courgettes. Ah, zucchini. Is that what it is? Yeah, well, courgette is the fancy European word for zucchini he loves it see i see he's, he's unbelievable he's, he's actually using some greek yogurt here this recipe is too long it starts to fill it with you need some of the some sunflower oil some onion some short grain this is too complex yeah that's a, that's the thing i love otolenghi but he's you know you need you know a whole evening to really bring that to life yeah this is like actually doing a you know Offering a genetic test, so complex. You've got to extract a day, you've got to get the primers, you've got to amplify it, you've got to PCR it, and you've got to analyze it. There's a lot of steps. It's a lot of steps. So let's go to John Bryson's book of um, top breeds because if there's one thing you can rely on, it's Johnny Bryson's book. <laughs> really, a really nice Christmas hamper present. Yeah. For, for dog lovers everywhere. Lovers, because, you know, I know Tiana, it doesn't have the cavoodle in there because this is about. Breeds, pure, concise yeah, breeds. So, pure breeds yeah. so let's go to one seventeen. And Ooh, what category? What what uh, what group are we in, George? It's the well. Yes, there's another thing. Remember, we told John to fix this in his book. It's the blue, the blue book, the blue, which means it's one seventeen. It's the hound group. Okay. And it's the dachshund. Ah, yes. Oh. Probably the second most popular breed on Rightpaw after the Cavoodle. And, it, you know, it's the only breed I know that John dedicates, let's have a look how many pages to it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight 
pages to it because there's so many varieties. Yeah, size and coat. Yeah, yeah. And Tiano, you've selected probably the least popular variety, the Duxund, the mini wire-haired Duxund. And as you know, they've got a long head. Um, uh, and their neck is long. They've got a mouth scissor bite. They're rump, they're broad, they're strong, their breastbone's very prominent, prominent. They're long and low with no exaggeration. Remember, we don't, we're not encouraging exaggeration anymore in breeding. They're compact. They're a well-muscled muscled body with enough ground clearance to allow free movement. Another important thing, enough ground clearance. To for, height at the withers should be half the length of the body measured from breastbone to the rear of the thigh. And temperament-wise, Tiana, they're bold, they're defiant, carriage of the head and an intelligent expression wow john that sounds that sounds familiar there yeah look the thing when you read this book every breed sounds beautiful it's the way john's the adjectives he's used to describe them and adverbs he's used he's just amazing i don't know where he gets all this knowledge from john another shout out to john if he's listening he owes us big time nathan yeah we we plug we plug this book every every week it's great and great value. It's 39 AUD, edition three, I'm holding. And anyone really who wants themselves a really nice gift, get that. It it literally is bedtime reading. Not. <laughs> if you want to go to sleep, maybe. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, it's great. Should we, should we do a disease? May as well. All right, let's do it. Let's ra- take us home. Take us home with 117, which is you've chosen the Irish Wolfhound. Okay, I do love an Irish wolfhound. Do, yeah, they're, 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 so they have a number of conditions from you okay. know, cardiovascular to dermatological yes. to endocrine to gastrointestinal. Let's have a look how many pages they all go through. Let's have a look at what they've got in the way of they've got a Von Willebrand's disease. They also have a neurological condition that you need to be aware of. Um, anything that we offer for them, I don't think there is apart from degenerative myelopathy, but generally... As I said, this book goes through every every condition that's been published, um, and there's a prevalence of dilated cardiomyopathy in the breed. Five point six percent is found in the breed, so we need to be yes, and some hypothyroidism. So we're finishing on the Irish Wolfhound. We've gone through the uh, chips with the um, the Tadamasalata. <laughs> We've had the what was the what was the um, what was the, the stuffed zucchinis? The stuffed zucchini mm-hmm. and the dachshund is our Christmas. What a journey we've been on. The, <laughs> the stuffed dachshund, the hot Irish wolfhound with a tara masalata. <laughs> but no, it's, it's been lo- it's been a good way to finish. And I know everyone sort of now because it's a good time to talk about anxiety and everything because it's Christmas time. I know we don't encourage people to get pets during Christmas, but it is a popular time for people to be looking for a potential pet into the new year. Yeah, and I think that's why we wanted to have that topic because, you know, a lot of people are going to, you know, be confronted with this very important time, the next six weeks where you're going to have all that time off. You know, take Tiana's advice Make sure that you are stimulating your dog, that you are getting into a good routine, that you're keeping them enriched. Um, I think this has been fantastic learning, and I do hope that we have some fantastic, well-socialized, non-anxious puppies as a result after the Christmas period. I hope so too. That would be amazing. (laughs) 
Brilliant. And give us what for one more time, Tiana, uh, tell us where people can find you and your podcast and give us a final shout out. Uh, well, you can search my name, but it's a, a little bit difficult. So instead, if you just search Cavoodle Coach on Instagram, I will I'll come up there. Same with on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, Cavoodle, Cavoodle Coach. I come up everywhere. Um, I also wanted to mention, this just might be helpful for anyone who is getting a puppy. Um, I'm not sure if you can link it or maybe just go onto my page. I have a socialization guide. Um, for new puppies and it also steps you through a little bit about separation anxiety and just what you need to socialize the puppy to so anyone getting a puppy it's always good to make sure you have a plan for how you're going to socialize them when you bring them home so that's free to download from anyone if anyone is interested um, you can go on my website tiana caramayas or my um, instagram pages and it's all there i've just started following your podcast <laughs> thank you just went on and had a look yeah, I really appreciate that. Check, I'm going to check your um, social media page <laughs> as well and start following. You know, if there's one thing that's come out of it, I'm going to listen to it. And the, you've already had, I saw 32 on there, 32 episodes. Is that right? Yeah, I try and do two a week, but they're only 10 minutes long. But I find that a lot of people just want um, the quick answer to their simple questions. So I try and get a couple um, a couple out every week. And so far, I've been quite consistent, except for now, but I have a litter of puppies at the moment. So I've been a bit... MIA while I've been looking after them. I think people can cut you a bit of slack on that. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because you, you tend to stick yourself in a lot of your photos. Most people tend to avoid that, Tiana. Yeah, so well, done. well, I find that um a lot of a lot of people who are looking at getting a, a dog, they want to know who's behind the camera and who's who's actually raising the dog. So I try and get in front of it as much as possible. And then they um I can start being more like more approachable. So if they have questions, they feel like they can talk to me more easily than if I was, you know, not online at all. So you do two episodes every week? I do, Tuesday yes. Thursdays. Tuesdays and Thursdays. That's it. It's great. And people want to know the person, the breeder behind the, you know, behind the breed as well. So I think it's great. Yeah, brilliant. Well, Tiana, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a great episode. I've really enjoyed it and I've learned a lot. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I've, I've loved being yeah. here. Thank you so much for reaching out and for having me. Yeah, pleasure. And to all of our listeners, uh, we will be back in 2023. So enjoy your Christmas breaks from from everyone here at What The Bark. Have a happy, happy Christmas break and a Merry New Year. And we'll catch you all in 2023. Bye, everyone. Have a really nice season break, everyone. We'll see you in 2023 with some exciting new episodes, Nathan. Absolutely. All right. See you then.